You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank God for this moment. Troy and team, everyone, can we give God a hand of praise for the way that they have led us into this moment? As I think about the gift of God's goodness and, and how God shines in so many ways as I look out at the faces and I'm thinking about the stories that have gathered here in this room. I'm thankful for every melody that has flowed forth. I'm thankful for the ways that God connects dots so that, you know, and I, you know, Emily shared my my background as an educator. Now, Now, I was an English teacher, but I loved math growing up. And um, my sister-in-law, Natalie, you might be able to identify with this, right? She was a math and engineering major. She, you know, we shared earlier, I went to Georgia Tech. My sister-in-law, I mean, I went to Georgia. My sister-in-law went to Georgia Tech. My brother-in-law works at Georgia Tech. So, you know, there's still love in the family, though. There's still so much love. But, but, but Natalie might identify with this, because, you know, sometimes when we talk about coincidences, And we we look at coincidences as these moments where, okay, the unexpected happened and and it's this amazing meeting at a point in time. But but I love to think of coincidence, Natalie, as those coinciding angles that are placed together in the proper time and the proper space. You see, family, I experienced a coinciding angle moment this morning because I, I, I shared with you earlier, I have been praying about this moment for the last couple of moments, for the last couple of months. But you know, when you move into a new circumstance, one, there is an expectation, there's joy, there's a bit of nervousness. And so this morning I was having one of those bit of nervousness moments. And I met Eileen coming in, and Eileen said, you know my husband, George. And I was like, okay, I heard the name George Howard about four times in the last three days. And I was like, okay, I know that name sounds familiar. I know I know this person, this George Howard that everybody keeps talking about. And so I go into my office and I'm walking, looking through my sermon and I come to the last line of the sermon. Anybody ever have a moment where the Holy Spirit pricks you and brings something to remembrance? Where it's like, oh my God. I finished the last line and then it dawned on me. And I laughed with Eileen. I said to myself, Eileen's George is my George. I know who George is. So George and I have been working together for about the last year, attempting to help churches in Ohio live into a vision of beloved community, similar to the vision that we have been called to here at Eastside. So I mean, I've gotten to know George intimately 
because we've been doing this work, this good work that we feel will make a difference. But I had no idea. And every time we've talked, he's like, yeah, I'm in Atlanta. And you know, but I never stopped to ask, well, well, what church are you at in Atlanta? But I found out at just the right time because when those angles coincided and the dots connected about an hour and 15 minutes ago, all of that nervousness now turned into what a good friend of mine calls a God wink moment where I felt the spirit of the Lord winking saying, oh, you're right where you're supposed to be and everything is going to be just fine and it's okay and you all are going to do great things together. So as I look at you, I'm looking with the spirit of expectation. As I look at us, I'm feeling a spirit of expectation. But I also know that as you're looking at me, you're saying it's time for the sermon, Pastor T. So let's jump into the word. <laughs> the scripture says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. And let us say thanks be to God. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, thank you for grace, for mercy, for love. Thank you for favor. Thank you for those moments of divine connection where you bring us together in ways that we could not have brought ourselves together. Thank you, God, for the ways that mercy speaks and peeks around corners, the ways that compassion raises itself up in the most unexpected times. But thank you, God, most importantly for this time that we share this indelible moment of now. Lord, in this moment of now, move as grace, move as truth, move as power, move as a coming together that blows our minds. Help us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God. Live lives where our hands, where our hands and our feet become the words that we sing that we might be your grace, your mercy, and your love in human form. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So family, this moment, I'd like for us to wrestle with the concept that is simply entitled, The Gift of Love. This is our God story. The Gift of of love. This is our God story. So I move into this moment. I move into it with a spirit of thankfulness to our bishop, Sue Harper Johnson, our cabinet, our district superintendent, Reverend Dr. Byron Thomas, Emily, and the whole Eastside family. Thank y'all for, for, for welcoming me and my family into this space. I thank my family and friends for for being here, 
And I thank my new extended family and friends. I thank y'all for being here this morning, and I'm excited about what God is doing as we think about the gift of love and how this is our God story. Now, I'd like for you all to do something just for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to talk to your neighbor, but I'd love for you to look around the room and see your neighbors. Just look around the room. See the faces. See the stories. You see, we've looked around the room and we've taken a glance at different stories that are present here right now. And you see, we, we all have stories. We all have stories that are filled with lines of hope, that, that, are, that are filled with pages of grace and mercy abounding. Stories that, that turn into chapters where sometimes we rise, sometimes we fall, sometimes we're the hero, unfortunately sometimes we might be the villain. We all have stories where we are moving back and forth from misunderstanding to understanding, from confusion to clarity, from moments of doubt to moments of faith, from moments of discouragement to moments of divine encouragement. We all have stories. Fortunately, our micro-narrative, you know, the narrative that is your life and your life alone, and my life and my life alone, is part of a meta-narrative. Because God, too, has a story. God has a story that's been evolving since before time began. God has a story that began to play itself out when that first sound careened through the universe and creation came into being. God has God's own story that God is telling and we're fortunate to be a part of God's story. And see, that's why your story and my story matter so much. That's why all of the, the lines and the pages and the chapters of our story matter so much because we serve and we love and we are, are, are held by, carried by an ever-expanding God whose presence is moving into places in ways where sometimes things that look like death and destruction become devotion and destiny. Sometimes things that look like fear and faltering become faith and fortitude. Sometimes things that look like moments where life had ended become the story of life resurrected. You see, God's story is a story of love that transcends. God's story is a story of love that transforms. God's story is a story of love that came from heaven to touch earth in a way that would allow us to be here together right now. Yes, we all have stories. And the gift of love is a part of our story. But I love looking at scriptural text because scriptural text will help us see sometimes some of the details and nuances of stories. Because as I look at this text from Matthew 22nd chapter, verses 37 through 39, we find our Lord and Savior in a situation that was not uncommon for him. 
He's coming into this earth reality with a story of redemption, with a story of love, with a story of miracles, with a story of healings, with a story of difference making, with a story of calling those who feel like they have no part of God's plan to become a part of God's plan. And he's telling this story and he's living this story. But just like sometimes when we are living our best lives and living into the story, that God is scripting and co-scripting with us, there has to be the haters that show up and say, oh, really? Oh, really? You see, there were some who had heard about the miracles. They had heard about the healings. They had heard about the difference making. They had heard about the way that the light was shining in darkness, but they were wondering, is he really who they say he is? And so they were checking him out. They came and they showed up on a given day and they would fill the temple or they would fill the countryside. And there would be those who were there. They were, they were staunch believers. They were believing with a fire and a fervor that just lit up the room. But there were those who were like, okay, I got to check him out and see. Is he really who they say he is? And you know, and, 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 and Scripture characterizes sometimes these folks, they characterize them with the name Pharisees and Sadducees. And you know, and, 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 and I want us to be careful sometimes when we look at the ways that people will run with those characterizations because oftentimes you will see the Pharisees and the Sadducees just casting this bad and this negative light saying that they were the ones who didn't believe, they were the ones who couldn't see, they were the ones who lacked faith. Well, while that may be true to some extent, let us not forget that some of those early believers were of those movements who saw and they heard and they believed. Let us not forget that those were people just like us. They were people just like us who were facing a transformative moment in life. And there was this, this, this one who they knew as a carpenter, who they couldn't put a finger on where he got his teaching or where his power came from, and he's coming and he's making statements like this. I know you heard it said, do it this way, <laughs> but I say unto you, you should do this. I know you heard it said, do it that way. But I say unto you, do this. I know you heard it said for millennia that this is the way we are supposed to respond when people hate us, when people curse us, when people revile us. But I'm telling you, if you respond with a love that goes beyond comprehension, things will be different. And so he's saying these things that were challenging the social order, saying these things that were challenging the cultural order, saying these things that were challenging the social political order, saying these things that were challenging the spiritual order. And so I actually, in kind of an ironic way, I feel a little bit of sympathy for the Pharisees and the Sadducees who wanted to know who is this dude that is disrupting the social order? And why are people running to him like this? We have been the ones with the answers all this time, and now they're running to somebody who we didn't put our name on it. 
He didn't go to our schools. He didn't come from our teachers. Why are they running to him? And so in the midst of one of those debates, one of those questioning sections, which, which was normal for life, if, 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 if you are a rabbi and you are a teacher, the other rabbis and teachers are going to spar back and forth with you anyway. They want to see if you know what you say you know. They want to see if you're dropping some nuggets that are new and different. They just, they just part of it is simple curiosity of, of, of seeing is this the real? Is this the authentic? And so he was asked a question that continues to, to travel through the corridors of time. Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? He's asked this question, and yeah, they were challenging him, they were testing him. They were, they were trying to see if the authenticity and the authority was there. They asked this question, what is the greatest commandment? Because they're looking at him. They, they see how the energy shifts when he comes into a space, you know, but, but, but they're not sure because there are other, other proclaimed leaders who rise up and they fall. So they aren't sure if his movement is real and lasting. And yes, yeah, some are proclaiming salvation has come, but there are those who are like, okay, has salvation come or is he going to be one of those who have a rise and then he's going to fall, fail and falter and he's just going to be another figure who led a fleeting movement that withers like a fig on the vine. Which one is he going to be? They ask this question. Brian, they ask him, yes, they ask him, Brian, what is the greatest commandment? And his answer is simple. It's fundamental. He says, the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets Fundamental answer, fundamental answer, love, love God with all that we are, love, love neighbors into abundant life, love, love self with an awareness that each and every one of us is a divine gift. Jesus, in this moment of questioning, in this moment of debate, in this moment of trial and testing of his authenticity, says to all who have eyes to see and ears to hear that the greatest commandment, the greatest thing we can do, the greatest expression of our being is that of emitting love. And when he talks about this love, He's not talking about that ephemeral, that fleeting, that passing love. He's not talking about love that looks, that really is like. He's not talking about love that, that, that really is toleration and not understanding. He's not talking about the kind of love that if anybody with any sense of the five senses and an intuition that kicks in as a sixth sense, they can tell that ain't love. You're just allowing me to be in this space until this time passes, and you're not even going to think about me once I'm gone. 
That's not the kind of love that he was talking about. He, he was talking about that agape love, the kind of love where mercy and compassion and empathy and, and a sense of, of wonder about the stranger and the unknown rises up and binds us together with someone who God has said, this moment of coincidence is my God wink of saying, my hand is moving in all of your lives. But family... A full disclosure moment. Now, I did say earlier that, <laughs> that's my nephew. <laughs> I did say a little earlier that I have some sympathy for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And here's why in the full disclosure moment. You see, as I look at my nephew walking by, um, and my sister can testify to this, I was one of those precocious children who always asked why, or who always needed a deeper answer. I, I, you know, I just needed you just to unpack it a little bit more for me. And even when my mother or father would say, because I said so, my question would then be, well, why do you say so? I was that child at home, in the classroom, with my friends. And so now when my children do that to me, all I can do is laugh and say, okay, let me find an answer other than because I said so. So I have sympathy for the Pharisees when they ask these questions of Jesus because even after every time I read that statement of love God, love neighbor as self, here's the question that raises up in my spirit. Well, Lord, if you're telling me to love God, love neighbor, and self, the question that rises up for me, family, is what does loving God look like? What does loving God sound like? What does loving God feel like? But then he gave us three, right? So, so what does loving neighbor look like? What does loving neighbor sound like? What does loving neighbor feel like? And then finally, what does loving self look like, sound like, and feel like? Now, in this movement of the message, I want to encourage everybody to do something. I want you to wrestle with me right now. I don't want you to just take what I'm about to say in these next few minutes as gospel because I'm wrestling just like all of you are wrestling. I'm looking for answers just like all of you are looking for answers. We are looking for answers together. So, so I'm asking you, wrestle with me, but I'm also encouraging you to wrestle with the Holy Spirit when God begins to prick your consciousness and things start to shift. I'm asking you to wrestle with your own thoughts as you begin to stroll down memory lane regarding what love has looked like, felt like, sounded like to you, or what you thought love should look like, feel like, or sound like to you. I'm asking all of us to wrestle because sometimes if we were engaged in the wrestling, we might find that God blesses us with understanding because we didn't simply accept because I said so. God wants a moment of discovery to unfurl because God can hold all of our stories together. 
God can hold all of our backgrounds together. God can hold all of the nuances, the pains, the hurts, the joys, the sorrows. God can hold it all together in in, in a tension that that really gives us family a, a panoramic understanding as God begins to prick our consciousness and give us life-giving glimpses in terms of how long, how wide, and how deep the love of God is. But God can't do that for us if we don't look around and value all the stories in the room. So I'm encouraging us to wrestle. As I ask the question, what does loving God with all of our heart, mind, and soul look like. I contend that it looks like, and it sounds like, and it feels like yielding our entire consciousness, all that we are, our thoughts, our emotions, our will, our intent, our actions in devotion to God. It looks like, sounds like, feels like receiving grace with hearts, minds, and souls so open to grace that our love for and devotion to God reveals itself as love and compassion and kindness and care towards everyone and everything that God has created. It it looks like, sounds like, feels like our recognition that if we love God, this love has to show up in the way that we pour life into the world. It has to show up in the chance encounters. It has to show up when we feel too tired to listen. It has to show up when God says, slow down when you ask that person, how are you doing? Slow down and listen because that moment might be the moment where you become the bridge over their troubled waters. So don't just ask, how are you? As a cursory way of simply acknowledging someone's presence, but ask, how are you? And look them in the eye and sit with them. Even if you don't have anything to say, just let them know that you see them and you hear them and you are with them. I contend, family, that that's part of what God, loving God, looks like. It looks like the way We show up for our neighbors. Could you look around the room again and see the neighbors in this room? Look around the room and see the neighbors in this room. Loving God looks like showing up for our neighbors. But what does loving our neighbor look like? It looks like widening. And I'll start here. It looks like widening the margins of hope, erasing the boundaries that say who is and who isn't allowed in the kingdom of God. It looks like 
consciously living as emanations of God's light who realize that the grace that we have been given is a gift that needs to be proclaimed from the rooftops. It's a gift that needs to be spoken of and lived out in alleyways. It's a gift that needs to shine on city streets. It's a gift that needs to be proclaimed. And I'm just going to get real plain right here. It needs to be proclaimed through social media. It needs to be proclaimed through podcasts. It needs to be proclaimed through creative endeavors that are stirring up in people's spirits as they're wondering what would it look like to create to create content that looks like feels like sounds like loving our neighbor it stirs up in those who recognize that everything that the world uses to communicate ideas and beliefs that other people in the world believe in we too as Christians as followers of the way as believers who who recognize that God has touched our life in such a way that the margins must expand and no one needs to think that they are counted out. Let us use every medium that God gives us to let light shine into this world. But again, share with you, I was the precocious child, so I got to ask the Lord this. Well, Lord, what does loving neighbor sound like? It sounds like living life with the recognition that the gift of speech itself can be a blessing that builds up or a curse that tears down. Therefore, we become intentional about speaking words of encouragement, hope, faith, life, abundance, joy into the hearts and minds of our children, into the hearts and minds of of strangers, into the hearts and minds of friends, into the hearts and minds of enemies, into the hearts and minds of loved ones, into the hearts and minds of co-workers, into the hearts and minds of those with whom we see things eye to eye, and with those with whom we vehemently disagree. We still gotta speak life. Because in those moments of the sound of loving our neighbor, Going forth, we might find new life. We might find new growth. We might find new opportunities if we would simply take the chance to see every human being we encounter as a beloved child of God and that we, as those who are beloved, we recognize that we don't own, possess, or have created a heaven or a hell to put anyone in. So we need to let grace move through our lives to touch somebody else's life in a way that the sound of loving neighbor can go forth. But also, love of neighbor sounds like the testimony that our community has when they encounter members of Eastside. And they can say without a doubt that I was lifted when I encountered the Eastside family. Without a doubt, I I was filled with hope as I experienced them celebrating God's grace and mercy by touching my life in a time of, of triumph or trial. It sounds like our community saying, when I encountered those folks at Eastside, I knew that I was being held as someone who is sacred. I knew that my worth as God's creation was being honored and treasured and I was safe and whole and knew that I mattered not because of 
of what they thought I could give them, not because that I might be a notch in their belt that says their church is growing, but I can say that I was honored and loved simply because I exist. Simply because I too am made in the image and likeness of God. Simply because the people I encountered at Eastside are so consumed with loving God and loving neighbor that the thought of doing good and doing no harm are not platitudes and catchphrases. It's truly who they are. It's truly how they live. And I could feel it. And so, we ask ourselves, what does loving our neighbors feel like? Maya Angelou once said that people may not remember what you do, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Loving our neighbor feels like warm blankets of love when the seasons have turned cold. It feels like providing nourishment for the stomach that hungers when everyone else who could have made a difference looked the other way. It feels like the movement of wonder and awe that overtakes us when we look around and see God painting a mosaic of rich and intense color with nuances of light that tell the story of a community learning to love one another with such intensity that every ism and phobia and system and mindset that attempts to limit our thrive our spiritual growth and our life in the spirit becomes washed away in seas of forgetfulness and they can no longer do us any harm. See, family, love, love can rule and reign if we let it. Love can birth new life if we let it. Love can make us whole if we let it. Yet I land, family, at one final question. I land at one final question. And we've talked about what loving God looks like. We've talked about what loving neighbor looks like. But family, what does loving self look like? You know, it's interesting Loving neighbor as yourself speaks of this mutuality, this tying together. I mean, how can we love our neighbor if we don't really treasure and honor ourselves? How can we love our neighbor? If every time God sends us a message that reminds us that we are loved and we are cared for and that we are whole and we are sacred, and then we go down a corridor where we challenge the way that God has told us that I made you in my image and likeness and I made you whole and I made you sacred, but then we begin to say, I'm not whole, I'm not sacred, I'm not this, I'm not that, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, when God is saying no, but you are my child. It is interesting that our Lord and Savior puts down as a divine mandate that you 
and you, and you, and we must learn to love ourselves. I'm going to challenge us today. Every time one of those limiting, self-deprecating, self-limiting, closing myself inside of a cage thought arises, say that I'm going to love me because God loves me. I'm going to recognize that of the hundreds of millions of spermatozoa fighting to become me, I am the one that won. God's grace was with me even in the womb. There were possibly hundreds of millions of other versions of you that could have been born, but you won. Why in God's green earth would you and I Why would we even think that's not significant? There were so many other versions of us that could have been born, but we are the one that was born. If that is not enough to help us realize that as we love God, and we love neighbor, we need to treasure the gift of life that is our life. I don't know what was, what is enough. And, and, and so here's the thing. I'll, I'll take it one step further. I look over and I see our two beautiful children. But I'll reveal a little bit about my wife and I's backstory. In between those two beautiful children, there were two that could have been there were two miscarriages. And when the doctors talked to us and were helping us walk through that, they shared with us, there's nothing we can pinpoint to to tell you why this happened. In many cases, as they began to share with us, and in many cases, we can't pinpoint to why it happens. Yes, sometimes we know, but sometimes we don't. And this youngest one, Mia, when my wife was eight months pregnant, she was in a car accident. Car accident that totaled the car. And so here we are with our four-year-old having lost two in between and everything had gone perfectly fine up until this moment and we're wondering and praying, Lord, why is this happening now? And in this car accident where the car was totaled and the doctors bring her in and they run all the tests and they say, well, Mrs. Stevens, Mrs. Stevens, you and the baby are just fine. And so when I look at Nia, I often think, about the way grace and mercy flow and the way the love of God flows 
and the way that God gives us these divine opportunities to embrace loving ourselves. Nia, in so many ways, just like your brother's life is a gift, your life is a gift. Your life, Nia, was covered and kept in a moment where God's grace showed up so strong that God says the love I have for you is going to bring you here. But Nia, I challenge you and I challenge Simeon just like I'm going to challenge all of us in this room. If the love of God has covered us so much that God has given us the gift of loving God and God has given us the gift of learning to love neighbor and God has given us the gift of loving self, I'm going to ask us to do something. I'm going to ask us to begin to practice suspending disbelief. We've got to practice suspending disbelief, family. God's love is so all-encompassing. God's love is so all-uplifting. God's love is so all-transformative that if we choose to live into it in a way where we say, God, I will let you, I will yield to you so that you can break my limits of thought about what community looks like and what love looks like and what hope looks like and what help looks like and what life and life more abundantly looks like. God, I'm going to suspend this belief to let you show me that we can be the hand of miracles, that we can be the hand of mercy, that we can be grace and truth and power manifesting in such a way that we at East Side will live into the example of being co beloved community in ways where we will recognize that the gift of love and us being love is indeed our God story. I hope all of us recognize that it's not by chance that we have gathered here. Some of us are meant to be a conduit of healing and hope for someone in this room. Some of us are meant to be lights of encouragement and, 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 and faith for someone in this room. Some of us in this room are, are, are meant to be inspiration and joy for those who are not gathered in this room, those who live in this community. Some of us are, are, are meant to be points of light where love of God, self, and neighbor will manifest to us in such a way that we will walk out of these doors and the light of God will be, on, be upon us in such a profound way that somebody's going to ask us, somebody's going to ask us, what is it that you do in your walk? that lets God's light shine through you in that way. And guess what, family? They may not use those words, but they're going to recognize the presence. And so, in closing, I ask I ask that we do this one thing. Today, and tomorrow, 
and the next day as much as we can. Please suspend disbelief. Don't think that God can't use you. Don't think that God can't flow through you. Don't think that God's grace and mercy are not meant to touch the world in your life and through your life. I'll use one more biological example to help us understand why I say that with such a fervency. There was a moment in our mother's wombs where we were competing against hundreds of millions of other possibilities of who we would become. Some of y'all gonna get that this evening when y'all get home and think about it. <laughs> we were competing to see which one of us would be the one, which version of us would be the one that would go through that nine, 10 month period to manifest in this earth. Every one of us in this room, we are the ones that manifested. We are the ones that came through that difficult journey. We are the ones who have been placed here for such a time as this to love God, to love neighbor, to love self with an intensity where we might be a balm that heals hurts, where we might be a light in the darkness, where we might be the ones who help the person sitting next to us understand that they can overcome. I think of the people in this room who helped my wife and I navigate through those two miscarriages. Some of them are in this room right now. If they were not in this room, I don't know if I would be standing here if they were not in our lives, I don't know if I'd be standing here with the courage to share that part of our story. I, I look at some of the stories in this room that I'm going to get a chance to know. I would love to know who are those people who have helped you in those moments of trial? Who have you helped in those moments of trial? For this is our God story. I would love to know what are your hopes? What are your dreams for this community, for this church? That is our God story. I would love to know how love is moving in you right now because the way that love moves in you right now is going to catapult us into a future well, not just East Side, not just East Atlanta, but the nation, the world will understand and know that we are living out our God story with faith and fidelity and hope that brings change into this world. Because East Side, God has called each of us to be the word of God for the people of God so that people we encounter everywhere will say, thanks be to God. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. And so in this moment, I will sit down <laughs> and turn it back over to our team. Tavares, thank you. Thank you. Uh, hi. 
Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Troy Aragon Buchanan, and uh, I serve here as the worship arts director, and I have the honor of sort of doubling up and, and also leading our prayers this morning. Um, I, I've been thinking this week about uh, a new season and change and walking into a new day, um, and my tendency as I live my life is to live with like the horse blinders on, and it's always like the thing I'm focused on. There's always like that one thing, and and, and I miss so much of my experience, and, and it just goes by so quickly, you know? Um, I, I think about being here. I've, been, I've lived in Atlanta for three years now, and that felt like that. You know, Karina's almost done with grad school. That's like why we moved here. And it's just like, it's almost done. Um, and, and so I, I try to practice the spiritual practice of, of stopping and taking stock, you know, taking stock of, of where we've come from, where we are, and where we're going. And so I wanted to use my time this morning to do just that. And so uh, I, I will um, walk us through and, and, and look to where we have come from, this, this church, this body, um, where we are in this moment, this new day, and, and where we, uh, God willing, will go together. So uh, if you would, would you join me in a posture uh, of prayer, whether closing your eyes or, or spiritually, uh, join me now as we, as we enter into the prayers of the people. God, we thank you for the vision and the dream of this community that you put into the heart of Tim Lloyd, a place where all people would feel welcome and loved and know that God sees them. Thank you that for, for every single person that um, heard that vision and that their heart was moved and that from day one, they, they showed up. Thank you for 11 years of Eastside. Lord, we thank you for eight years of ministry in this building in East Atlanta, this, this beacon in this neighborhood. Lord, we thank you for those that have in this community, in this space, have uh, received their call to ministry and have, have gone on to lead wherever you call them. This is where we have come from, God, and we acknowledge it. We see it. Lord God, we thank you for where we are this brand new day together. Day one, it's the turning of a season. We are uh, coming to the close of summer and we're entering into fall together. And we know that you are with us this day. We thank you that our community has not only survived a pandemic, but in so many ways come through it stronger, more committed to this mission than ever before. Lord, we thank you for the children and the youth that are just all over this space uh, and that are not, not the church tomorrow, but that are our, our church today uh, and that in so many ways we're following the example that they set for us. Lord, we thank you for the ministry of Imago Dei, uh, the, the space in Eastside that if I'm being honest, uh, is where I see God moving the most. It's where I see God spilling over the most. And, and God, I, I hope that that ministry uh, lights us all up on fire. Lord, we thank you for those that serve day in, day out, week in, week out, uh, for, for every, uh, all the hands that have created the art in this space uh, that make our uh, community beautiful for the voices and, and the hands of those that serve in music, for every single person that puts food into the pantry, for those that sit in meetings, long meetings, 
all because it matters. Because it matters. Uh, thank you for those that, that are connected to the, the businesses and the communities in East Atlanta so that they know uh, that we're here for them. We're here to serve them. We're here to love them and to be there for them. This is where we are. And Lord God, we thank you for where we're going, for the dreams and the visions and the hopes that are taking root today uh, that we won't see for years to come. God, give us the eyes to see them. Give us the ears to hear them and give us the courage to chase after them even when they feel impossible. God, we pray for those that at this very moment are, are desperate for a community that would accept them and love them as they are and they have yet to find us. Lord, may we accept them with open arms when they come. Lord, I pray that we would remain faithful to go where you go and to respond to every twist and turn along the way. And we pray that those in our community, in our city, in our world, when they think of us as Christians, as Eastsiders, uh, that yes, they would know us by our love and nothing else. That that would be foremost in their minds. And I invite you now into a time of silent confession as we, we think upon this week and, and all that we ought have done and didn't um, and all that we ought to do. So take this moment now for silent confession. Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us when we were yet sinners and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Thank you, family. I thank Rachel and Troy and Karina and our entire team for helping this first official week for me be one that has been one of joy. I have been blessed by the Eastsiders whom I have met so far in the weeks that have led up to this week and, and even this week. And so all I ask is this. Family, as we go forth into this week, let us suspend disbelief and believe with all of our hearts that God can move mountains. As we go to the Lord in prayer, Lord God, remind us of how your grace and your mercy and your love surrounded us in the womb, followed us in our first steps, has been with us at every marker of the day of our birth. God, so whether or not we are, are in the midst of the first year or we are in the midst of the 81st, 91st year, wherever we might be on this journey, God, shine your light in us in ways where the world knows how great you are through the blessing and the grace and mercy that you have poured into our lives. Use us as your hands and your feet. Use us to heal. Use us to be difference makers 
Use us, God, to shine your light in the world that just as we sing, great are you, Lord, the world might sing it with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And let us say together, amen, amen, amen. Family, let us go in peace. And if there are any ones who would love to become part of the East Side family, come down front after the service and we will receive you with love and grace and welcome you into Eastside. God bless you. God bless you. Let us go forth. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you'd like to experience our full church services, you can find them at youtube.com slash eastsidechurchatl. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Eastside, you can find our giving portal at our website, eastsideatl.org. Be well.